0: Along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz, psychic medium Stephanie Burke is uh, is away this weekend. She's uh, down in Virginia, I think, with Porter. They have something going on down there. So uh, hopefully they're having a good time. We're going to have a good time here talking about the paranormal, which is what we do here each and every Saturday night. And we are going to – that thing's going to beep the whole show. And I – I – Guess I can go louder. I don't wanna go too loud, but I have to go a certain volume so it doesn't beep. Is that alright? Does that sound okay? Alright. This this uh we have this alarm here in our studio that lets you know if dead air. If you know if not it it can be a variety of things. It can be that the total system failure. It could be that something's wrong with the network. It can be that something doesn't switch over when it's supposed to switch over. But uh, all this week, it's been peeping nonstop. And I f- I, f- I want to say it's the ghosts, but I don't think it is. Okay. I know the engineer was messing around with some of the it's audio stuff. So.
1: It's got to be ghosts. But I, I, was, what else I, be?
0: I was trying to blame the ghost. Well, what I was thinking is... Aliens. Here's the thing, though. It didn't happen until we conducted that experiment here last week. Last week, uh, we... We had the live experiment of the Estes method where, Moni's. have you seen this, the Estes method? So basically what you do is you blindfold yourself and you put on, like, noise-canceling headphones so that you can't hear the people around you. And then you plug it into a spirit box, a ghost box, an SB7, what have you. Okay. And you ask questions and... Well, you have the, the other people ask questions, and the person who is blindfolded and wearing the headphones just says whatever they hear come through the sweep. So you, it's, it's like a double blind. You can't hear the question, so you're just saying out whatever it is that yeah. uh, that you're hearing. And the we got maybe a, a couple things. I went back and watched it, maybe a couple things that I could say, maybe possibly a hit. But not enough for me to say overwhelmingly that we were communicating with something or somebody. All right. But um, you got. I think you got to go a little closer on that microphone. Too. All right. There you go. Yeah. It's they swap the mics out. Okay. So yeah, the other one's usually a lot harder. Yeah, that one you got to be a little bit more up on. But so maybe we fired something up here when we did that. Maybe there's something that was dormant here in the studio. I mean, we know that there's activity in the studio in, in the building, but maybe there was something that decided to reach out to us since we reached out to it. Remember how much trouble we used to have back in the old days?
2: Okay. I think that was more equipment than spirits. Well, <laughs> some of, some
0: of it was us, some of it was not knowing what we were doing, but you know, we would have just those random firings of the computer and yeah. we had Keith Johnson come in and and actually bless the studio because we really should have done that from the beginning if we thought yeah. about it. Because if we're going to be talking about the kind of topics that we talk about, it wouldn't hurt to have that extra layer of protection. And a lot of the times I feel like when Stephanie's here, she gives us a leg up a little bit because she can see or hear things that we can't. So that maybe if there was something around, we would have some advanced warning from her. But when she's not here, then we're kind of screwed because we're on our own. So it wouldn't be, eh, maybe we'd need another another blessing Uh, of the studio just to be safe as they are as they are coming in here and they're upgrading things and they're going to be redesigning the studio at some point you know there's there's going to be construction in here so that might just stir some things up so it might not be a bad idea to get some some blessings done we we can see maybe keith will come back or stephanie can do it or what have you but we'll we'll get some of that spray that she sells we'll have (laughs) her bring in a bottle of that and kind of just spray it all around the studio and see if we can't just make sure that we have the good juju coming in here as they start tearing things apart. But
2: what about the equipment? Are they going to bring in stuff from this century?
0: No, this is, they've been doing a good job of upgrading things. Yeah. We're getting better and better. Uh, the the only thing that I think is going to change uh, equipment wise is I, I did ask if we could get some different mic arms. But uh, other than that, we're we're doing okay. Well, we, this board is a lot better than the other one. The to. the old board was uh, was certainly. Um, yeah, vintage. We'll yeah. call it, and it's still here. It's 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 in the cave, so it's still around. So I wouldn't make too many jokes about it, because you might come in one Saturday and he'll just have replaced it, just because we were making fun. But uh, you you should see the the one that's in the news booth. Now that one's that one's a, a another vintage board. <sighs> so uh, we are going to talk about the paranormal tonight. Coming up a little bit later on, we will be joined by. Uh, Michael Banty of Weird Fresno, and we're going to talk with him. L- listen, we have to change things a little bit here on the show. I was thinking about this this week, and I think that the passing of Art Bell has made me somewhat reflective of what it is that we are doing here and, and why we're doing what we're doing. And last week we had our Art our, Bell our tribute show, and it's been in my mind that we originally started this show off wanting to be more like art letting the guests come on tell their story and asking the pertinent questions but not trying to discredit not trying to and 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 not trying to make things about us and i think that what's happened is that that's gotten a little bit away from us maybe it's longevity maybe it's being here for you know over 12 years now doing all the shows that we have maybe it's you get a sense of complacency a little bit because you know, Saturday night you'll be back in here doing it again. And so I think you lose some of the edge over time. And I feel like we've lost some of that edge and I, I think we need to bring it back. I think we need to get back into uh, sharing good information and, and stories with the audience and less promotion, less about where we're going to be and, and, You know, what events we're going to be at and all that kind of stuff. It's important to let people know that, of course, because people want to know about these things. But there's just there's a tendency to to talk about that too much. And I feel like that's uh, although, you know, it's not like the audience is writing me angry emails, but I just feel like we're getting away from the heart of what it is that we want to do. So I'm using arts passing as a little bit of a kick in the pants to say, let's get back to just talking about weird stuff.
2: Back to our roots.
0: That's uh, yeah. No, I mean, we know. did it for so long, and it was really just uh, a matter of. I, I think as as time has gone on, just feeling more and more like, okay, we've got this. You know, we know where we want to go. We know what we what we want to talk about. Instead of saying, let's just throw a topic out there and see where it takes us. So I think it's almost like having less direction, but it'll be. More of a direction overall if that makes sense you know we have an idea of what it is that we want to do and what kind of topics that we want to cover but let's not go into it with any preconceived notions about what the conversation will be and so that's why I think tonight's show will be a perfect fit with Michael Banty later on because I mean I go to his website I've seen some of the stories I chatted with him uh, last year when there was the woman who thought that she was a mermaid <laughs> and we can get into that a little bit too later on but I just want to hear the weird stories about a place that I've never been, and I and I think that the audience wants to go on on you know, no pun intended when talking about art. But I think they want to take that same ride, and so that's what I think we're going to start getting back to. So if you have any ideas of of topics that you want to have covered or guests that you want to hear us speak with, just email us spookycrew at spookysouthcoast and we will try and do our best to. Uh, bring them on. Now, that's, there's there's some ground rules, though, that we have to lay for this because you have to have, uh, I guess, parameters in place. Because if we say we're willing to talk to anybody and everybody, well, that, uh-huh. that opens the door to you really can't say no to somebody because you opened up yep. that invitation. And we've decided over the years that there's some level of at least a line that we have to draw of who we're going to have on the show and who we're not. We decided a long time ago to stop just having, you know, random paranormal groups or investigators as guests because they would come on and they would share their experiences being out there in the field and being out there and investigating. And they would just tell us stories that sounded like the same stories that other investigators were telling us. Not that there's anything wrong with the right. work that they're doing, but there just wasn't enough differentiation between them. So we made a conscious decision to say, if we're going to have an investigator on or a group on, it's going to be because it fits into the topic that we were discussing. Yeah,
2: something specific relating so, to a particular event or what. Happened.
0: Yeah, it could be, you know, that they're, they're you know, they're, they're the group that frequently investigates a specific location. You know, like when we're going to – if you're going to talk about the Veliska Axe Murder House, you have Johnny Hauser on. Uh, if you're going to talk about, um, you know, the the Stanley Hotel, you have on the group that investigates regularly there. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's that, that makes sense. And and also, of course, if you can find a, a topic where an investigator can add a perspective to it, then you add them in. But just to just basically say, you know, let's spotlight this group, let's spotlight this investigator – it just doesn't work. And the other part of that is there's a million paranormal shows right now on the Internet where that same thing happens. And then you get the, all of the paradrama that goes along with that.
2: Oh, you talked to them, but you didn't talk to us. Right. And you, and, know, and, you and know, then somebody role. says,
0: why did you have them on? They're, they just, you know, they fake stuff. And all. and I don't want to get into all that. So it's, if, it's very rare that you'll hear us talking to a paranormal investigator that is somebody that we don't know. And if, if it's just talking about their investigations. If it's something else that they can add to a discussion, then that's a different story. And we've done that, too, as well, where, I mean, it, part of it is, too, if you could just be a common person that has stories to tell, experiences to share, and that's okay. And there's nights when we do those shows yeah. where we say, the phone lines are open, call in with your experiences. But I don't want to just have somebody who has paranormal experiences on unless there's a real, you know, ongoing thing happening or if they've written a book about it or what have you because otherwise it's the same thing for the audience. It's, well, they have the same experiences that other people have. Why are they any different? Why are you having them on the show? So when we have those open line nights, and, you know, the phone lines are always open here, so you can always call in and discuss anything that's on your mind, paranormally speaking. But we have those open line nights where people can call in and share those experiences because I think if we try and do that same idea of featuring those stories, it will A, get repetitive, but B, for a lot of people, they'll say, I don't see the reason to have them on to talk about that. So those are just some of the the ground rules that we've set up over the years. And I know that there's a whole wealth of people out there that we could talk to that people say, why haven't you had this person on? Why haven't you had that person on? I'll give Nick Redfern as an example. You know, with a couple of times yeah. that we've had Nick Redfern on the show, it's been a pre-record, And there's a reason for that. He's not available on Saturday nights. He works on Saturday nights, so he's not available. And there's other people who we've tried to have on for years that, you know, maybe on the convention circuit or have events or, or are out investigating every Saturday night. So they can't come on. Because of the schedule of the show. and we try when we do a pre-record to say, well let's earmark those times for, for these people that we need to make special accommodations for. But in general, a Saturday night at 10 o'clock is kind of a tough time to get guests. And the fact that we've been able to do 534 episodes now and bring on I'd say probably over 300 guests easily I guess out of those shows. I mean that sounds like a, a, a pretty safe bet. So the fact that we can get 300 different people to join us on a Saturday night is pretty impressive. So that's another challenge that we face with the time slot, but the time slot is what it is. It's when we can have radio time, and it's when we have availability in our schedules. So with those caveats in mind, please recommend whoever you think we should talk to or whatever topics you'd like to hear us discuss, because we want to make the show as weird and as spooky as it can get. And I think that there's uh, a wide range of places that we can take it under those guidelines that we just haven't gone to in a long, long time. And so that's what I want to get back to. I want to get back to the roots of why we wanted to do this show in the first place. And I want to listen to stories that when I go home and I go to get out of the car at 2 or 3 in the morning and it's dark and it's creepy, I want those stories still in the front of my mind. And to make me think twice before I get out of the car. And maybe make me run to the door a little bit. Because that's when I think the show is at its best. And I think that's where we've built up this audience over the years. And I want to start delivering that to them again.
2: Well, a lot of the audience, when I've talked to them in person,
3: they
0: all
2: love our, we'll, we'll call it our organic shows, or potpourri shows,
0: where we're just throwing, you know... Ideas, right, you gotta, it. You, You're going to talk even closer to that one. Wow. Yeah.
2: yeah. Sorry.
0: I can hear the beeping in the background.
2: Sorry about that. It's like when I've talked to um, <laughs> listeners outside of here, and th- they all want more of the um, the organic stuff. Like I said, what we do with our potpourri shows mm-hmm. and just sharing the ideas, because th- to them that I guess that seems more authentic.
0: And and I will make a deal with the audience. We will do more of that. But you have to live up to your end of the bargain. You have to call in, and and share with us as well. Because a lot of people like to listen to the show, and I know that not everybody's involved with the show. Saturday nights at ten o'clock. A lot of them are catching the show later on. But you know, we we are willing to do that kind of stuff. But we need more from you. You need to call in and interact with us, because that's what's going to make it stronger. I I know that people like to listen to us talk, but I don't think that that's what the whole show should be about all the time. No, it should be
2: about what the guest has to say. Right.
0: <laughs> I, I think it's fine if occasionally we we share our thoughts and feelings on things, but you can only do that so much. I was going to say, comment. also,
1: uh, if you want to just dip your toes in the water, just uh, join us in the chat room and right. you know, ask, then, ask a few questions there, and then when you're, you feel comfortable about calling, sharing your experiences, uh, give us a call.
0: And I, I have to say, I, I know the... The general feeling that people have about internet chat rooms is they say, "Well, I know what's going to happen when I go in there." But our chat room is not like most internet chat rooms. It's it's very respectful. Everybody gets along with each other. They get to know each other in there every Saturday night. Uh, they're always uh, going off on side tangents and, and conversations amongst themselves, and it's it's like Cheers in there because you know all of a sudden Jimmy McCluskey will check in and everybody will say Jimmy. You know, like that. Yeah. Just as an example. So it's it's certainly a place where you can go and have a dialogue and a conversation, and get used to the, to the folks and, and realize that that's who you're talking to, and that might make you feel more comfortable to call in
2: like-minded people
0: and discuss. And that's I mean that's what we're trying to do here. We we have a, a community of of listeners, and we want you to come along and, and be part of that community. So we'll try and serve that community a little bit better. Instead of kind of serving our own self-interest, I I, I was uh, hanging out on the, uh, the Bell Gab forum and uh, talking with, with some of the folks there, and now that is a place where they can be savage. On, no, <laughs> I'm <internet>. sure. Uh, <laughs> they, they really are, but I love it, and um, and so I actually, I made the point that I'm starting to become, you know, the show's starting to become more George and less art, and I I don't want that. <laughs> so <laughs> the folks in there know what I'm talking about, but you know i want to make it more about serving the the topics than it is serving uh, any anything else so it's all on the table 508-996-0500 uh coming up in the next hour we'll talk with mike banty about weird fresno and i think that it says something about this area too that we've been able to you know we'll t- we'll talk about uh mike's area with with fresno but i think it says something about this area that for 12-plus years now we've been able to frequently talk about weird things here on the South Coast. And we certainly could explore more of those topics because there's a whole bunch of weird stuff we haven't even gotten to Oh yeah, in 12-plus years of, uh, of covering things here. And I just think that there's, for some reason, an interest level... And people in other places, they want to know about this weird part of the country. We'll, we'll continue, of course, to do our Bridgewater Triangle show every year. That's always a, a popular one. Uh, we've done the Haunted Tour Route 44 episode in the past. Maybe it's time to revisit that. So I have a, a night coming up We where I think it's going to be sometime in May. Might be a little later. I'll have to check the date again. But I think we're going to dispatch Moniz out into the field this night. Because there's a, a bridge okay. where there's phenomena that takes place and a parsonage right next to it where phenomena takes place. So I think we might send you out into the field because this is the 100th why anniversary I just, of an I was say, why does
2: this sound familiar?
0: Um, I don't know. We'll talk about it off the air because okay. I don't want to make promises yet because uh, I have to reach out to the person that uh, is going to set all this up for us. But it's in the Bridgewater Triangle.
2: Okay, so it's not that. that
0: no, it's far, not far. As
2: I think I know where you're talking about, but we'll we'll discuss it. We will,
0: and uh so. But those are the kind of shows that I think people like. People respond to. They like when we are focusing on hyper local things, and when we're showing them that we have these. And maybe they have similar stories where they are, but maybe they don't. I believe,
2: don't take this the wrong way. That's some of my favorite shows because I actually get to go out to the places. I actually get to be there uh, on the spot. You know. I like you guys hanging out in the studio, but you know,
0: but there's I'm, an, I'm happier out in the field but the, and there's also an excitement level with that of you know you're going into this not knowing what could happen, oh yeah, and with that happening, you know with that situation of not knowing what could happen, it creates edgier moments for you, but it creates edgier moments for the audience too I mean. Well, we've yeah. had scary occasions. One, of the, out one there. of the first times we ever sent you out into the field for a show was the Dover Demon episode. Yep, that was a great show. And, and what happens? The police show up. Yep, twice. You know, so you you know <laughs> things like that that you can't take into account for. You know, now we know ahead of time to let them know that we're going to be there. Uh, but yeah, you know, but these are the kind of things that I think make for for good radio and it's also makes just the anniversary of that too. Yeah, it was uh, a couple of weeks ago, a week ago. What would it have been, the 41st? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, because it was, what, 77, if yeah. I'm right? So, yeah, so the 41st. And uh, we're coming up on what, the... Coming up on May. Uh, no, but the Roswell anniversary this year is the... Uh, 71st. 71st, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I remember all the way when we talked about the 60th anniversary of that. I was there.
3: I know. That, that, <laughs> that,
0: that just goes to show how old, how long we've been doing this show and how old we're getting. We can say, I remember when it was the 50th anniversary of this and we were covering things. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think certainly more of that stuff will be coming forward in the future. And, and if you have any places like that that you can suggest, I, I definitely want to. Uh, I know that we've done the, the Route 44 episode in the past where we have sent people to different locations along Route 44 locally. I want to take that all the way down Route 44, down into Texas. Uh, doesn't I, go
2: into Texas goes into New York
0: no the from following this 44 it goes into Texas uh, I'm pretty sure it goes from
2: uh Plymouth up to right. uh, someplace up in upstate New York
0: well wh- whatever wherever it goes okay we will follow it outside of the immediate area and because you know if if there's there's red-headed hitchhikers on every road Yeah. The, like those stories exist everywhere But maybe we dispatch people in multiple areas on the same stretch of road where it's been seen. Or, you know, so some of the other ideas that we've had too in the past is like uh, Route 66, doing the same thing with Route 66, having people all stretched down there, you know, that all stretched out across that. So these are some of the things that we can we can get into. This this, I thought this U-Haul was about to drive into the window. So did I. (laughs) This. This U-Haul is pulling up to the station, and it got really, really close to the the window, and I thought we were going to be a news story for a moment there. It's... Let's just kind of watch for a moment and see what's going on here. I think something's happening at the cell phone place, so it might be related to that. Okay. We're in a very strange corner of a, of a shopping plaza here, for those unfamiliar.
2: And figures tonight I'm not... Uh... Well, we'll, we'll see what a happens. A defensive item.
0: I'm sure they're just moving the cell phone stuff around. Matt, see if you can get us some deals.
2: <laughs> I can use use a new personal phone.
0: Yeah, Mark Mark says he always ho- heard Corpus Christi, Texas for route 44. So, I don't know, maybe okay. more, It all depends. We have we have friends all over the country that we can stick on there in in uh, different spots. So we'll find a way to do that. Again, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420 is the numbers if you want to call in. Monies. I do want to mention, even though we're going to cover it next week, uh, we're going to have Tom Reed come on and, and yep. join us next week. But there he is in the news this week. You know, you've you've made mention the of the past couple of weeks. Yeah, you've made mention of Tom in the past about yep. being involved in a very high-profile UFO case that has actually received its own plaque, its own Correct. monument. It was uh, part
2: of actually Project Blue Book. His case was one of the uh, featured cases in Blue Book. Yeah,
0: and so now this this monument that they've erected to this case is is being moved again. And. So we're gonna. We're, there's, it, it'll be hitting the news wires. Uh, there was a story about it uh, a few days ago, but there'll be some more stories locally. Uh, we were just talking with Tom before we went on the air, and uh, when those stories come out, of course, yeah. we'll share them on the Spooky South Coast social media. But he's going to join us next Saturday night, and we can really discuss, you know, that case. And I, I know it's something that we've been working on for a while now.
2: It's a phenomenal case. Well, him and his twin brother had uh, been abducted out western part of the state. 1967, and then later on, his grandmother, mother, and uh, I believe his brother were in, the, in a vehicle that they went through a covered bridge and got abducted on the other side. The forty-something witnesses saw the craft and things like that.
0: So it's it's a fairly well-known case. Um, and I, I think too that it's it's another one of those stories where it's known. Throughout the world, but at the same time, it's a uniquely kind of local yeah. thing, where uh, you know it's a Massachusetts case. Correct. So, I think that, that is something that a, a lot of people will uh, enjoy. I also heard some discussion recently. Um, th- there's been a lot of talk lately about the Bentwaters case, and I was thinking there's always talk about, but that it, case. it seems to have been heating up. Different, different. You know, he said, she said stuff that's been going on with it. And I, so I think maybe it's somewhere, somewhere down the line this year we'll we'll revisit that because we haven't discussed that in a while either. Okay. Is there, um, is there any – think about all the stuff that you've researched over the years, but then all the stuff that we've talked about here. Is there something that you want us to discuss on the show that we have never gotten around to? Ooh.
2: Actually, yeah. Well, we may have touched once or twice on it. I don't think we've done enough things on, like, sea serpents and, you know, lake monsters. Absolutely, we, right. We, we we've done one or two shows. But I think that, you know, we've done an, a couple of Bigfoot ones, a, a good handful of specific UFOs and general UFOs and more ghost shows than we could sa- shake a stick at. But we really haven't touched on, you know, like, lake monsters, sea monsters, and other cryptids.
0: Well, we know the ghosts are our bread and butter. Yeah. Uh, but certainly, you know, all weird topics are, are on the table. And crop circles. I haven't really done much with those either. Yeah, well, I, I think that we are sorely lacking in, in, you know, the crop circle stuff. We've done like one or two shows. Yeah. I do remember we had the guy on that, that had the crop circle song. <laughs> that I know Matt Costa was a favorite. That was a favorite of yours. The the guy that made the crop circle song.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that used to pop up. Um, I used to have it on my iPod back when we used to run music off of my iPod. Right, like if
0: we had stuff like right EVPs or anything, we had to play right. on the show. We always put them on your iPod. And,
1: and for some reason, I had something like I don't know, maybe three, maybe it's like three, three and a half, maybe a uh, thousand songs or something, thirty five hundred songs. Mm-hmm. And that song would always come up randomly, mm-hmm. more than any more than any other song. I feel like okay, which was. I don't know if it was welcoming but it was <laughs> hilarious.
0: I mean I I was a fan of, you know, he would just pull up and he'd be playing the the crop circle song. <laughs> right. I'd say, "Well, that's that's just Matt." Yep. That's not a that's not a surprise well, it's, me, a catchy, it's a catchy tune. Want me to reach out to Colin Andrews? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And uh and and I I there's even deeper weirder stuff that we can get into that we've just never covered. I mean, a lot of alternative history stuff that we haven't covered. Uh,
2: time travel ones. Or we we no. always
0: say that we're gonna do a time travel show, but it's hard to get the guests to come on that we'll talk about it because I don't know why it's they don't,
2: just, they don't uh, apparently have the time.
0: Well, I think maybe they probably have already traveled back to where they came yeah. from. Uh, I know John Teeter listens to the show, so <laughs> he does. Yeah, he comes on on the chat
2: room every now. So and then.
0: if he wants to, you know, if he wants to reach out, that's that's fine as well. And uh, I'm still waiting for JC to call too. I thought for sure last week was going to be the week that he would actually call or at least show up again in the chat room, but he didn't. So, uh, But, you know, la- last week we did cover the Art Bell uh, tribute show, Moniz, but you weren't here, so you didn't really get a chance to to share your thoughts. I- I'm assuming that, you know, you were kind of uh, overwhelmed a bit when you heard of Art's passing.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was listening to him back in the day. when, b- Like I said, before paranormal radio was really... Like what it is today, you know and, and I was always up at night and whatever going around and processes of driving back from places I was at, I got to listen to him, and you know he he touched a lot of people, he's the one that got you know the paranormal out there, I mean other than just to the truckers on the road in the middle of the night, but you know to the mainstream people
0: well and and I think too that it was. It was kind of comforting to know that when you heard the callers call up that you knew that there was other people that were into these same topics that you were. Yeah. And you know, it's not like now where you can just go to a a Facebook group or a message board or you know, just search paranormal on Twitter or what have you and see lots of people talking about it. I mean, in the nineties a lot of people still didn't have access to the internet on a regular basis, you know, in ninety four, ninety five. Oh god, don't so it's, it's a way for you to realize, Hey, wait a minute. There's other people that think this is a valid course of research, just like I do. And so it's, it's got to be one of those things where you're, you're an outsider. And then all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute. I, I have a community here. I mm-hmm. have a group. And I think that's probably more important than anything is the fact that it, it took something that was abnormal and made it a little bit more normal. For at least for 4 or 5 hours a night.
2: Well, the way I look at it is before art really came on the air and he was in what the early 90s. You know, all you had was these various little conferences here and there. That was the only time you really got to meet up with a whole bunch of other people other than, you know, it, you'd read somebody else's newsletter or you know, there would be a magazine and articles posted in various, you know, particular types of magazines, but mostly it was you met up at conferences and then Art started his show and then everybody could be like, hey, this is something that's out and, you know, I can listen to him every night or every other whatever you had the time for. And he would bring the people that you would see in the conferences, on, you know, on with him. And that's what but, made it good.
0: I mean, what were... Did you did you attend some of those conferences back in those days? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, what were they like? I mean, I'm assuming it wasn't like it is now, where there's you know thousands of people coming through the place. Okay. And um, how do to I meet-
2: put this? I, I could say something, but I I don't want to be offensive about it. Um, let's just say back in the back in those days, it was more about the subject matter, not about the people.
0: Well, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, there's probably less. People. So like now where you have to rent out an entire conference the, center, the, it was the, probably one conference room that Let's you put it this
2: way. It was die hard uh, interested people. People were there to find the information, not because this person was on this TV show or yeah. that TV show about it. You know, these people were there to see what these presenters could present to them. Not being the, you know, Stanton Friedman is Stanton Friedman. You know he's been the same all the way back in the day up until now, but a lot of the other you know we'll call them TV icon people that are are used to being seen on TV by other people. It's a lot different then than it is now because back then they were just the person with the information. Now people, now people see them as, that's the person with the information that's on TV.
0: Right. There is, there is a different layer of, you know, like when you, even now, if you go to some of the conventions that are out there, people look at someone and say, Oh, who are you? What do I know you from? What have I seen you on? Well, you haven't seen me on anything because I, I don't, I'm not on television. I'm just doing the work. And so then people are like, Oh, that's really interesting and, and kind of walk away. But those are the people that, you know, you want to sit and, listen to and and see present I mean no knock on anybody because you know our friends do it but I want to go and I want to see I want to go and learn something if I'm sitting there right in presentations I don't want to watch somebody just do a question and answer session because those inevitably turn into remember that episode when you guys did right. this and did this and like I don't want that I want to learn something and I want to and I try when I give a presentation to Provide some information that people might not have known about um, just because I think that that's the point of it it's to even if you only pick up one little thing that you didn't know before, you went there and you learned something, yeah, so I think that that's what I find is what draws me into certain discussions and why I find you know if i and if I'm ever at somebody's presentation, I, I try not to get up and walk out. But there's times that I'm like, I should just kind of get up and walk out because I'm sitting there trying not to open my mouth and say something (laughs) because, you know, but Uh. because that's just not polite. And I wouldn't want somebody I don't mind when people ask questions and stuff during my presentations, but I don't want anybody to kind of take it over. And, you know, but I, I have that feeling and I and I but that's because I want to have conversations about things. And I think a lot of that is lost on a lot of these conventions is there's no like workshops where people are just kind of throwing where that ends up happening, believe it or not, is at the bar, you know, the night before. That's why (laughs) they have these VIP cocktail party things because that's where a lot of the ideas are start, start to get exchanged. You know, you've had a few drinks and you loosen up and that's when you start, or, or if you go out to dinner or something, that's when you start talking about theories as opposed to, you know, just shaking hands with people and, and signing autographs as they come through the line. So there's there's still some idea exchange going on. It's just it's not the main purpose anymore, which I think is somewhat saddening, especially because you know when you look at it this is still to this day even though they have a lot of these conventions and a lot of these events, a lot of the po- folks that are coming to them will say I've never been to anything like this before. This is my first time coming to something like this. And so those that's when you really want to start to Show them, like, we can get together and, and have an exchange of ideas here.
2: Exactly. Um I miss the old conferences. One of the better ones that used to happen around here was in Connecticut, and it was called the Omega Conference. Uh, they used to have it at every year ne- near Hartford, middle part of Connecticut. But they would have all of the people like Linda Moulton Howe and Colin Andrews and Stanton and all of these, before they were really big names, you know, out in the television world. Mm -hmm. And the presentations that they would put on were top-notch. You know, I remember Richard Hoagland talking about the monuments of Mars, and this is just after his book came out. And it had a lot of, you know, really information-packed chapters in it pertaining to how NASA works. I found his his description of what NASA goes through in terms of their process what they weed out for adding in or subtracting out of what they tell the public it's very telling mm-hmm. you know that people don't understand that NASA does scrub a lot of stuff that the general public doesn't see
0: but that's also information that you're only going to get from that particular speaker right and it's not something that's going to be regurgitated from one speaker to the next. And, right. you know, each person's going to kind of put their own twist on it or what have you. Like, there's, like, that's why I love John Tenney lectures because he gives you something that you're not going to find somewhere else. You know, he's, he's done research that nobody else has done. And he's found stories and uncovered legends and things like that that nobody else has looked into for, for hundreds of years. And that's why I feel like when I walk away from that, I feel like I've learned something and I'm and I'm better for it. I might forget it ten minutes later because that's how my brain works, but at least I was enriched by going to that. And I, I and that's part of what I want to do with this show too is make sure that we are enriching people by bringing the topics to them. Uh, and you know, you, you mentioned you know Stan Friedman and and Richard Holle and a lot of these guys became go to people for television because yeah. they were on the lecture circuit. Correct. And because they were known as the authorities who who knew the right. stuff inside and out. And uh, it's just it's so weird now that it's it's kind of, like I look at some of the lineups for some of these conventions that are out there and these different events and things that are happening and I say I know that person and I don't know what that person has to say that is going to interest a large portion of the Attendance goers, and that's not a knock on anybody, but that's just saying like, where are you going to take this? That is somewhere new and somewhere different, and I think that it doesn't happen because a lot of the audience doesn't need that. They'd rather just go and sit and hear people keep saying the same things. Maybe because it reinforces to them that that's what's right, you know. So if some. Like, I really uh, have reached the point where I can't take any listening to anybody tell me the difference between a residual haunt and an intelligent haunt anymore.
2: <laughs> or what is an EVP?
0: Right, I can't because I've heard it so much over the years, and I understand that there is always, you know, new portions of the audience that don't know the difference. But in my mind and, and my research and my investigations have led me to think that there there isn't that line anymore. I don't think that there is a residual haunt and an intelligent haunt anymore. Okay I think there's residual energy, uh, and I think that there's stuff that actually happens, but i I, I don't even categorize that as a, as a haunting anymore. I don't even ca- I just it's just one of these things that happens. It's just it's like when you shake up a soda bottle, you're gonna get fizz uh, and
2: you, you here you can borrow this an etherical echo
0: right and and that's just what it is. It's just gonna keep happening, and so I almost say, Okay, that's great. Let's not even worry about that anymore. Let's just leave it over there. You know, it's you eventually reach the point where you say documenting that doesn't interest you anymore.
2: Yes, the tide came in.
0: But (laughs) that also, you know, but then there's people every day that still document the tide. Yeah. So I guess maybe just because it's not interesting to me doesn't mean that it wouldn't be interesting to somebody else. So I'm just I'm just trying to open my mind up to some some more things here. Uh, we have about uh, 10 minutes left in this hour, and I just want to point out this. I guess I have to. It's not very often that I do this, but uh, I will tell Moniz. Apparently, you were correct on something. <laughs> uh, Mark says that Route 44 begins in Plymouth, Mass, and ends in uh, Cohoes, New York, and he even wrote, "I hate to admit it, but Moniz is correct, sir." So, see, even he hates to admit. It. It's funny because you, in, you know, you inform us and educate us on so many things, but we hate to let you know when you're right about Bef- other things. You know what I did before I became a scientist? Uh, you uh, apparently were a cartographer because you mapped all of Route 44. Close.
2: Uh, my parents owned a delivery service, so I yeah. was uh, a delivery driver. So, so you've been <laughs> yeah. all over the place. Yeah, New England. Yeah, I've driven all around
0: here. But uh, yeah, so. When even Mark is begrudgingly telling you you're right, <laughs> and he's a guy that actually respects you, so. A- <laughs> uh, all right, ah,
2: foolish mortals.
0: <laughs> well, and then one other thing that I wanted to discuss uh, that was kind of going around this week, uh, and and I was, you know, we we announced uh, Stephanie announced the the cruise that she had been putting together. Okay, and it's something that has been, um. In the work, she's been working on it for a while. Her and Porter have been, and they asked me to be a part of it. They've been working on it for a while. They finally were able to announce it. So if you want to find out more about it, wickedwaterscruise.com. Uh, when she comes back, I don't know when the next time she's in the studio. I know she's not here next week, but the next time we have her in, we can discuss it a little bit more. Uh, again, we're going to try and get away from you know the shameless self-promotion shows, but uh, wickedwaterscruise.com is the website. And if you're going to reserve, I will say this there's a a brief window that you can actually reserve your spot on the cruise by just putting $50 down. So if you go to wickedwaterscruise.com, use my promo code TIM because Stephanie's not here, so we're not going to promote her <laughs> her promo code tonight. But if you put my promo code TIM, T-I-M, then you can only have to put $50 down to reserve your spot until April 30th. And then after April 30th, the reservation price goes down, goes up a little bit more. I think then it's $100 to reserve. So if you reserve now, just fifty dollars to put down to say that you're coming along. Use the promo code Tim, and that's refundable. So if you decide that you don't want to go, if you end up not being able to raise the money, uh, the money won't be due until the end of next January. The uh, the total complete. You can make monthly payments if you want, whatever it is that works for you. Uh, All the information is right there on WickedWatersCruise.com. But we're going to be going from Boston to Bermuda through the Bermuda Triangle. And last year. I went on the Strange Escapes t- uh, cruise to Bermuda, and we went through the Bermuda Triangle. Same, same lane, you know. Same, same uh, journey, and we went through the Bermuda Triangle. When we did, we went out onto the deck of the ship, and we had a UFO watch, and we had some strange things go on, things that were not planes <laughs> that we couldn't explain. Yeah, out over the ocean, you, you're not getting small craft. Well, and that's that's one of the things that I've been discussing with people is they say, you know, when you're out there in the ocean, there's a lot of things that you can misidentify as being UFOs. I can't think of what that would be because by the time you're at that point, you know, most planes are so high up. Right. That you're probably not seeing them, um, you, you know.
2: You're, you're seeing the navigation. Yeah, pekins.
0: but not, not as close and low as, you know, you would around here where you're in the flight path. Uh, but – like, what other things could I be mistaken for UFOs being Satellites out there? Satellites
2: and meteorites. That's meteorites. The
0: only- meteorites, are the only thing I could think of that would move at the speed of what we were seeing. Satellites, yeah. generally, they move quick, but it's, it's... It's a predictable arc. Yeah. Yeah, and it's more like, kind of like a, you know, like, yeah. I know this doesn't make great radio, but they can see me on video, you know? It's where you see something moving, and it's it's moving in a good clip, but you can... You can still make out what's yeah. happening. We're seeing things that are like, you know, shooting across the sky and shooting diagonally and then coming back another way. Uh,
2: but thing, are you sure it's the same thing and not something well, know, crossing back? I don't in know the that hidden. it is. But see, uh, once you get out away from land, you lose all of that light pollution that we have around here, and we have meteorites every two minutes visible in, in around here there are plenty more that fall that generate light once you go get out beyond the light pollution uh i have a n- number of uncles that were in the navy merchant marines and all of that out spent their life out on boats and ships and they said you see far more shooting stars than you ever will on, on land out, out in the middle of the ocean it's like because there is no light out there to pollute th- the nighttime sky so any little light that Happens up there, you get to see for miles.
0: Have you been on a cruise or been on a, uh, I, on a ship I, out, out? I've been out on a ship out,
2: yeah. I've been on a ship out in the ocean, not on a like a cruise.
0: Like, I don't, I, I can do it on a cruise ship because I can always like not look out the window and just think I'm in a hotel. But it's really freaky to be out in the middle of nowhere on the water like that and to like realize if you see something, it's you know, there's, there's no figuring out what it is. It's not like you know. If we see the light in the sky here, we can call the New Bedford Airport, or we can call, you know, different uh, uh, law enforcement agencies or yeah. what have you. Like, if you see something out there, you're just having the experience it's and all taking you. it with you. Yeah,
2: yeah. it's all you. It, here's one: if you see something moving fast out up in the nighttime sky out in the ocean, don't be concerned. If you're watching it and you see it all of a sudden stop, then be concerned.
0: Okay. What if it mm-hmm. lands in the water, or it splashes it's down it's right into the water?
2: As long as it doesn't set the uh, ocean on fire, <laughs> you're good.
0: But uh, certainly, that is going to be part of the cruise. We're actually going to, um, we're actually going to have a UFO watch. I gotta, I gotta make a little bit of a change. I saw the schedule that's planned, and I just want to make sure that um, because they have it, they have us doing the UFO watch coming back from Bermuda, and I just got to make sure that. It can happen at a time when we 're actually moving through the triangle because it doesn 't make any sense to do it if we 're not in the triangle
2: you want me to help put together a protocol for you uh,
0: sure yeah, we've got plenty of time it 's not until May of twenty nineteen
2: yeah, it's got more than enough time,
0: so we have plenty of time uh, but uh, again if, a year. <laughs> over so again, if you want because it 's May tenth to the seventeenth of twenty nineteen so if you want to take part wickedwaterscruise dot com use my promo code, Tim. As long as you sign up by April 30th, you only have to put $50 down. You can see all the different uh, package options there. You can decide what kind of room you want. Uh, you can go with just a simple inside stateroom like I get. I don't care if there's a window. I don't care if there's a door. All I care about is that there's a bed and a shower. I don't even need the toilet because there's so many. Uh, you're going to need No, there's there. so many bathrooms all over oh. the ship that you don't even. It, it doesn't even. We had a the first cruise, we had a toilet that leaked so i never even used it so i just kept going and then you know i had a roommate too so you know you had Kenny? yeah so no. if you got yeah, to use it you know if you're going to you know use the bathroom in the morning you go out to the hallway and use the the general public one so that you can you know not hold up somebody else from from being i spent a lot of time in the bathroom so um Okay, <laughs> you're also, you know, eating at buffets every day, three times a got day. It, so. Got it. Got it. Got it. But there's uh, so you can take your pick of what room you want. But there are, you know, some of the fancier rooms are available. Some of the balcony rooms uh, where you can have a sliding door that will look out over the ocean when you're out there in the in the middle of nowhere. You can see the UFOs right from your own win from your own room from your window if you want. There's uh, there's also different packages that you can choose. You get to choose two packages when you sign up. If you're a drinker at all, if you like to partake in alcoholic beverages, you definitely want to get the unlimited beverage package. Makes sense. Because first of all, drinks are expensive on a cruise ship if you're buying them outright. You know, you can expect to pay nine dollars for a beer, fifteen dollars for a mixed drink, you know, fifteen dollars for a glass of wine. So the that's what makes the unlimited beverage package so valuable is because those drinks it's, it covers anything $16 or less usually. So it will cover almost anything as long as you're not getting top shelf stuff or anything too fancy. Uh, and and you will drink a lot. So you want to make sure that you get that if that's what interests you. If you're not a drinker though, they have uh, other packages you can choose. Uh, one of them is the unlimited dining package. And just to give people a heads up because I know a lot of folks will, prob- will probably sign up for this that have never been on a cruise before. So just to give you an idea... Uh, there are some restaurants that you can eat in that is completely included in your stay that's you know they, they call these all inclusive cruises and so you can uh, eat in the in the buffet you can eat in the main dining rooms they have some other themed restaurants that you can eat in that are all included with your uh, just your stay on the ship but then there are some other restaurants where they have you know like a steakhouse uh, they have a Mexican restaurant they have, uh, there's a Japanese place. So there's all these little... Uh, I think they have a Brazilian radizio. Ooh. So there's all these places that you can go and, and eat that will cost you a little bit extra. And they're not insanely expensive. Um, but, you know, they're they're, they're just extra in, from what you're already paying. So you can get a dining package, and then there's the Wi-Fi package and all that stuff. Wickedwaterscruise.com. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with more Spooky South Coast and our guest, Michael Banty, in just a moment. back, our number two of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz talking about the paranormal as we do each and every Saturday night. And of course, we are streaming live on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com and on the Spooky South Coast YouTube channel and the Spooky South Coast app and all kinds of places. And uh, pretty much wherever you can access YouTube, you can watch the show live on Saturday nights or on demand anytime afterward, uh, just whether it be through your phone, through your mobile device, through your laptop, through your uh, smart television. And even if you have like an Xfinity uh, cable box, you can access YouTube through that as well. So there's plenty of different ways to get the show and watch the show. Put us up on your big screen and spend your Saturday night with the Spooky Crew. Also, uh, if you go to SpookySouthCoast.com or you go to the Spooky South Coast YouTube channel, you can see the chat room while the show is going on. And I want to say hi to everybody in the chat room tonight. Thank you for joining us there. And of course, Nightbot is in the chat room. Nightbot is our our uh our AI friend that will eventually someday kill us when the machines take over. And uh right, that's right. Like I mean, his. it's uh it's not that intelligent, but it's getting there. It's enough it's enough yeah. that I'm worried about it. <laughs> but Nightbot, you can tell Nightbot jokes. Well, you can ask Nightbot to tell you jokes, but uh, Anna is in the chat room actually telling jokes to Nightbot. Yeah. Which...
1: Anna, Anna's better at joke telling, actually.
0: Yeah, hers, hers are way funnier than, than Nightbot's. But you can check it out for yourself at com. And I just want to let everybody know, before we get into our discussion about Weird Fresno with Mike Banty, want to let everybody know about Parabox Monthly. They have designs of silk screens onto s- super soft, super comfortable t- uh, T-shirts. These are just very, like, like if you want something that you can kind of spend the day in and then still wear it while you're out investigating later on, and you're going to spend 20 out of 24 hours wearing one T-shirt, this is the shirt for you. But what's interesting about them is that there's a puzzle built into each shirt. The puzzles can be in the form of codes, ciphers, riddles, numbers, images, or other hidden gems. So you have fun exploring the design and putting the pieces together to figure out where to go next, in addition to just having a super comfortable t-shirt. So if you want to check it out for yourself, give them a try. You've got nothing to lose. You can choose from a month-to-month plan, a three-month plan, or a six-month plan. No contracts. You are free to cancel at any time. And Powerbox Monthly has some really interesting themes to to their t-shirts as well. Ghosts and Haunted Locations, UFO Encounters and Aliens, Folklore and Legends, Cryptozoology, and Urban Legends. So you can find out more about how to get these really cool t-shirts at ParaboxMonthly.com. And if you're going to go there and you're going to order, use the code Live and you'll save 10%. So just go to ParaboxMonthly.com, use the promo code Live and save 10%. Get these t-shirts, start solving the riddles, we're, uh, we're going to try and get some of them as well. I know I'm not going to be able to solve the riddle, but I'm just happy to have something that's comfortable and easy to wear. So again, ParaboxMonthly.com, promo code SPOOKYLIVE. All right, we're going to get into the discussion now with our guest tonight, Michael Banty. He is the, the webmaster extraordinaire of WeirdFresno.com, and he's a longtime friend of the show. This is the first time that we've had him on, though. Uh, Mike, are you with us? That's uh, going pretty well. How are you? All right, hang on. We're just going to make sure that we get you going uh, over the... I don't know. You should be able to hear him there. We're in mono. We're turned on. Yeah, it's on. No? Okay.
2: We'll figure it out as we go. Technical difficulties.
0: Let's see if we can figure it out as we go along on the fly. Uh no, no, it's not you at all. It's totally us. So yeah. I'm going to let Matt keep messing with stuff and okay. see if we can figure it out. Well, I do want I do want to talk to you a little bit, Mike uh, first before we go, about exactly how you term yourself, you know I just called I called you the webmaster for WeirdFresno.com, but you know what kind of title have you given yourself as, as the collector of all these stories?
3: You know, I don't know. I, I say director, um, owner. It, it, I've never really given myself a title. I just operator. You know, research is probably the best thing. If I actually introduce myself to somebody, I say I'm the researcher so work for WordPress now, and I'm the one that runs it. That's kind of how I introduce myself as, as it.
0: Because, you know, when you're chronicling these kind of stories, uh, you kind of put some sense of responsibility on yourself then to become the steward. Of these stories. Is that something that you feel has happened with the stuff that you've shared on Weird Fresno?
3: You know, I actually like that title, Stewart. Can I use that?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Well, I, I like what you called Chris Balzano with the um, analytical folklorist, but I didn't want to steal that. But I, I guess I would say director, you know what I mean? But I'm just the one, I just call myself the researcher. I don't, I don't want to give myself a title.
0: You know, you can be an analytical folklorist too. Chris doesn't have to be the only one.
3: Okay I'll remember that I'll put that on my new business card
0: <laughs> because uh if uh, I think if uh, if he is the only one he'll you know he'll get a swelled head about it so we just don't worry Chris you can still be the dean of the analytical folklorists, but there just has to be oh. others so how did how did it come about I mean obviously I'm assuming uh, that uh, you know you you spent a good amount of time in that area uh, have you lived there your entire life
3: Yeah, I lived here all my forty years.
0: So then how did it come about that you started to realize that there's so many strange things happening that you could build an entire uh, a website focusing on the stories of Fresno?
3: Well, I was, I've been investigating since about 2000 or so. Um, got kind of burned out in 2008 Was going through some stuff. And at the time here in Fresno, um, a lot of blogs started popping up. Some were talking about like food places and users their stuff. And I thought, hey, you know, I know all these stories from over the years. Nobody else is sharing them. I should do that. And that's kind of how it started.
0: And so when you start putting them out there, I mean, was it one of those things where it took a while to build momentum? Or were people contacting you kind of right away saying, you know, I've heard that story? Or, or, or giving you stories that maybe you hadn't heard yet?
3: I think it took about a month or two. And then people just started associating more as, as the weird Fresno guy mm-hmm. than as, as Mike it took off pretty quickly, I was surprised. I mean because nobody had seen anything like that before. And this was you know I said two thousand and eight. Those hunters, I think was starting to pop around that time, right?
0: Yes. So I think it was yeah. like in
3: everybody's collective consciousness of what's going on and I don't know, I just I, I just picked the right time I guess.
0: I know that you know when we started this show, we had the benefit because of you know my connections and, and working there. We had the benefit of launching with a newspaper article and with, uh, pre promotion on the radio. So people knew there was going to be a place to kind of share the, the South Coast stories, uh, on a regular basis. But for you to kind of come up and, and launch and, and to, to do so kind of unassumedly to have a response like that after a, the first couple of months is, is pretty good.
3: Yeah. I was surprised.
0: I mean, certainly it means that there's pe- that people, people had been waiting to, to be able to share these stories. Yeah.
3: And people were just interested. You know, like you said, you know, and someone would say, hey, you know, I heard about that, that one story you wrote about the woman who walks down the road out in the country. I, I, you know, my cousin's seen her. Also, you know, just all these stories started coming in, and it just, it, it just kind of blew up from there.
0: Was there, uh, you know, as you were growing up and hearing these stories, was there something that you would say was kind of the definitive Fresno story or legend that, that kind of every, every school kid knew?
3: Wolf Matter, and I'm sure you guys have heard of that one. That one's actually in Clovis, which is right next door to Fresno. But everybody knows about the Wolf Matter story. I mean, I I know Ghost Hunters was there. I think Ghost Adventures. I know several of the the TV shows are there, and that one's like kind of the one that's associated with Fresno. I wanted to kind of focus on the other ones that weren't really that known.
0: So I mean, just just to give the listeners who aren't familiar a little bit of a, a background on that, what what is that story?
3: So Wolf Manor, it was. Um, I think the original house was built in the 1920s. I, I can't remember exactly. And over the years, it was a convalescent hospital and a national hospital. When it was built onto the back, I think it was maybe ten or twenty rooms, nothing big. But it was a, you know, basically an old felt zone, for lack of a better term. It closed, and then someone bought it, turned it to a Halloween attraction. Extremely popular. One of the, I think, one of the most popular in the state. Well, the city shut it down, and the owner decided that he wanted to turn it into a hotel, unfortunately, because of building code issues, he wasn't. But for a while, he was giving tours, and a lot of people were seeing things there, from shadow figures, um, I, I know when I was there once, that was touched, I heard footsteps above. Um, people were saying there was some dark energy in the basement. I can never confirm that, but, but still, that was reported. There was a lot of scenes there. I mean, it was a definitely a hot spot. Unfortunately, the building was torn down. Now it's like an empty lot.
0: Well, I mean, empty lots can be haunted, too. It's right, just and it's,
3: that's what I think, too. I, I wonder if, what's going on there now. Unfortunately, it's been This type private property.
0: But but when you have a, a place like that where people talk about it and and people share that legend from generation to generation, I think it also helps kind of lend itself to people being more open about the possibility of, of other locations being haunted and, and other stories to share.
3: Right. And I know that one, it, it kind of took on an urban legend feel of sort because when it was a Halloween attraction, the owner had actually written up a fictitious story with it. And unfortunately, that got intermixed with the Apple history. And it's, it's kind of hard to tell what was real and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. So people were saying stuff based off of the, the Halloween history, uh, which wasn't true.
0: And and part of the, the job of an analytical folklorist is to be able to kind of you know, look into what is legend and what isn't and right. when the lines become blurred like that, you know, it makes your job harder as, as the person that's trying to put the, the truth out there. Or do you just kind of let the legend live as well, let the legend breathe on its own?
3: You know, um I always try to 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 point out what was part of the Halloween history and what wasn't. Um but really it's to I sometimes the people would just want to believe what they want to believe.
0: I think that that's, you know, that's, I always call it the liberty balance effect. You know, when legend becomes right. fact, print, print the legend. And, and sometimes, you know, the the stories that we tell about something is better than the true story. And so that's always going to kind of take the precedence. I've, I've dealt with it with Lizzie Borden's where, you know, there's stuff that people talk about there that we say, well, where did that information come from? Well, a psychic said it. Okay. Well, but I don't know if that psychic is any good, if they were telling the truth or if they were just making it up. But it doesn't matter because it's become part of the narrative, and now it's become something people experience when they go there. It's just par for the course, I guess, in, in, in dealing right. with these kind of topics. So you said, though, that that was kind of the well-known one, but that you wanted to find the ones that people didn't know about. What? How did you go about finding them? Uh, w- was it just some that you had known about and heard about? before growing up or did you really have to start digging into some, you know, some dark corners of the library that people hadn't been to in years?
3: Some I knew about and those were kind of the first ones I wrote because I, I like I said, I, I knew about them but as the site was doing, people started, emailing you know, me, mean, hey, you know, there's a story, you should look into it. Um, one I remember, I was actually, me and some friends were going to a park that's supposed to be so haunted and actually have a weird creature, like a strange creature in it and as we're driving back, you know, I just, happened you, know, you know where the road that we're on is, was, was very busy it was actually on the way to the casino and um i know for years that there's always at least one or two you know traffic accidents that led to death on it and i said you know what are those roads haunted you know just kind of you know might really being serious so my friend said oh yeah there's a you know there's something there's a cop that pulls people over you you die on this road so now it prevents people from speeding. well you know okay that's kind of weird and i I kind of shared it on my Facebook page, and all of a sudden, you know, two or three people, oh, yeah, I've heard that story, and they started adding to it. Now, is it true or not? I don't know, but, you know, a random, it was like some, it was a random thought I had that kind of led to more people telling me about it.
0: And I think that, you know, a lot of these stories, uh, especially, you know, we deal with it here, kind of the culture and the makeup of people uh, are what lend themselves to some of these stories actually Having legs and actually sticking around over the years—is that kind of the way that it goes with with Fresno too? Is it is it the people and, and the makeup of the culture of Fresno that kind of help keep stories alive?
3: Um, excuse me, a little bit. Um, Fresno's a bit more of a conservative area, so sometimes it's hard to. I mean, I'll hear stories, but when I go to actually research another location, they, they'll deny it, and that's kind of been a big snowball for me.
0: I mean that that is a, a tough barrier, but I wouldn't think you know somebody says California. I think you know very very liberal, very free, very a lot of uh, spiritual feelings out there, new agey stuff. Uh, is, no, no, no. Not in Fresno. We, we call
3: ourselves the Bible Belt of California.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, what, what what are the what what is the cultural makeup of, of Fresno aside from being conservative? Uh, you know, what what what's kind of the 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 identity of the people there?
3: Well, there's a, a large Hispanic population and a lot of their cultures have white over on the stories that I've researched. Um, there's a, a familiar uh, folklore tale called La Valerona. Basically, you're uh, your typical lady in white um, and I, I, I know at least four different locations that have the same the same story. Uh, we actually also have a very large um, mom population and I've been kind of researching that as of late because one of the stories that I, I first wrote about it was this creature, for lack of a better term, and just someone called me, me, oh, that's a mon dragon. You should look that up. I'm like a mondragon dragon. And, and, you know, bit by bit, I'm trying to, you know, educate myself.
0: And and, and you said what again?
3: It was a, the person who told me what it was. They said it was a, a mon dragon. So we have a, we have a, a large mong population here, um, Southeast Asian. Oh. And so. kill people from uh, the from Laos, areas. Vietnam, yeah, yeah.
0: Cambodia—that that area. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, certainly, yeah. There's there's um, a lot of cultural mixing then, of of those legends, and and that's another thing too, where. You know, we see the same thing here, where some of the the Portuguese culture will mix in with some of the the stories that are told. Some of the still some of the Native American culture mixes in here.
2: Cultures bring their own demons.
0: Right, right. literally, literally demons and, and figuratively. Literally. Uh, so with having that, that type of, uh, of a confluence of, of people there, I'm assuming, too, that they're very protective of their stories, and, and yeah. so you might have a hard time cracking through uh, some of the outer layers.
3: Right, and when I do share one of the stories, I want to make sure I get it right and I'm respectful and you know, make sure that whoever's telling me is okay with me sharing it. Um, I, don't, I don't want to take something from somebody else. That they put their, you know, their, if it's a story that they've talked about, I don't want to, you know, I want to give them um, credit for it. I guess is the best way to
0: put it. And uh, and Mike, we're having just a little bit of a uh, trouble hearing you. If you can uh, just try and
3: oh, I'm sorry, I have a, my phone is horrible.
0: That's that's all right. It, is and, it,
3: is it, how's that? Is that better? Yeah, that
0: sounds a lot better. And and Matt, okay. I boosted them up over here. Is that better for you? Okay. Um, hey, at least we made the phones work. That's that's an accomplishment <laughs> for us. So okay. my. Sorry, go ahead.
3: Oh, no, no. I was just yeah. I, sorry about the phone. Um, hopefully it's better now.
0: Yeah, no, that, much better. And so with, um, with trying to get through these layers and, and, and trying to get to, I mean, do you ever feel like sometimes the stories, as much as you're trying to present the complete information that you can, uh, do you just hit a wall at some point and say, I'm never going to know the whole story here? And then do you make the decision to just share it anyway?
3: Yes. I, I mean, I've, I've done that several times.
0: Because, you know, when, especially when you're dealing with stories that are older, sometimes you're never going to get to the bottom of it. You're never going to get the complete thing. And so, sometimes part of a legend is better than a complete legend.
3: Yeah. And actually something like that happened recently. Um, we have a, a I want to say it's an early 20th century home that, that was built at a park. And for years I've been trying to get into the place. They, they won't let me. And I, I understand that. You know, I, 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 I get that. But I went to take some photos one day because I had no photos of it, and they actually told me not to take photos because, and I told them who I was, and they said they they did not want to be associated with anything mm-hmm. ghost-related.
0: Yeah, that's, unfortunately, that's still a, a pretty predominant uh, mindset for a lot of people. Yeah. But then again, at the same time, I mean, just taking a look at, at weirdfresno.com and, and seeing some of the stories that you share, I mean, you're you're... You're cataloging a lot of uh, a lot of history and folklore that might be forgotten otherwise. Uh, that... well, and that's sorry.
3: That's what I said to them. I said, you know, this place is already known for being haunted. By you telling me not to put these photos up, isn't it going to change anything?
0: And not only that, like you're giving them the opportunity to have their side of it told.
3: Well, I remember contacting them once, and I said, why don't you? research this the supposed paranormal part get people in you know lure them in with that then teach them the actual history i i kind of doubt that from you to be honest i know you're doing that for <laughs> a while with your legend tripping
0: it is it's that's that's the sneaky way that we teach people history like but we're gonna go look for ghosts and you're not gonna learn anything ha <laughs> ha we fooled you
3: but they just they weren't interested and, and once again it's it's that conservative mindset of the area it
0: I mean, also, though, too, uh, part of the good part of that is uh, you will find out that when the stories aren't shared, they tend not to become diluted and not to become, you know, mixed with other people's uh, interpretations, too. Like, sometimes those closely guarded stories can be the most pure. Yeah. But it's prying them out of them that's the problem. What What is probably the, the one story that you've been trying to... To get to the bottom of that, what what's been your, your your Moby Dick, your white whale that you just can't figure out or solve?
3: Oh, there's a lot, but um, there is a story here. It's actually a creature story, and they were coined the Fresno Nightcrawlers. If you do a YouTube search, the, the original video will pop up, and it, it's hard to describe. But there were these two. Somebody was um, having issues with I think dogs running their yards. so they set up a um, a closed circuit TV to film what was going on. And so one night, there was these two creatures, long-legged, no arms, and it, I want to say maybe 24, 30 inches tall, very long legs just walked across the, the yard. Yeah. And I've seen other videos, but they look like they're completely different than this one. Mm-hmm. And I know um, Sci-Fi's Fat or Fake actually came here. And they actually contacted me about it to try to debunk it, and they couldn't. Hmm. And it's the only the only video that I – I always consider myself a skeptical believer. I believe, but I want you to, to prove it to me. Right. This one, I couldn't figure out what it was. It's, it's just an odd story, and it's only been one sighting.
0: Well – but sometimes, though, with stuff like that, and we've we've seen it happen here, and I know Moniz, you've encountered it during your career, that uh, th- those are the kind of things that, even if you can get to the bottom of it, it's it's still almost too unbelievable for for people to believe. That you can you can try and chase down as much of the factual end of it that you can, but in the end, even that's not going to convince people. So even having part of the story is uh, is going to be, you know, enough to open people's minds up to it. Because some of this stuff, even if you found out the complete story, it would be, it it would almost make it more unbelievable than just having part of it.
2: No, I've run run into exactly what you're talking about. I'll give you a good example. The house in Westport. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, For Mike's benefit, I'm sure he's run into things like this before too. Somebody claims a house is haunted. But the real history behind it, you know, that this house in Westport was actually a house that, you know, was said to be, ben, you know, built on an Indian burial ground, even though there is an actual cemetery bu- behind the house. Right. Uh, and that, you know, there were coffins inside the house and people disappeared and reappeared on different floors and things like that. Okay. The real truth is, the house was foreclosed on by the original owners and it was recently built, built in the 20th century. Yeah, and it was
0: the 60s, 1960s? Yeah, yeah, uh,
2: yeah, early 1962 if uh, my research, re- I re- remember correctly, something like that. And, um, after that, the ho- homeowners got foreclosed and it was picked up by a, um, a funeral home. To use the storage, just so they the storage, yep. yeah, so they store coffins and parts of coffins in it, and kids would break in, and you know, story compabulates, and all of a sudden the house. But
0: is- to your point, though, the just the the fact that you know the story has been solved to some degree, it doesn't change the experiences that people have had. I mean, we've You're heard right. from police officers who have said, "I was parked in the driveway." Yeah. And and watching you know weird things happening inside and lights turning on and off and yep. things like that when nobody was in the house so I mean, I'm and I'm sure it's the same thing there in, in Fresno too Mike where you know sometimes it's almost like you'd ruin a story by actually being able to tell people the truth about it
3: yeah no we I have one similar to that that, that basically what Matt said
0: yeah well feel free to share it oh sure. <laughs> well it's
3: it's an old home once in the early 20th century, and it's been fenced off for years. I know it's on the local historical registry, um, but it's abandoned, and people, you know, they, they, they think it's haunted because it's, you know, it's fenced off and it's kind of, you know, overgrown with weeds and stuff. Um, I've researched the history. Nothing's happened there that would could lend it to be a haunt, but people still say they've, they've seen lights at night. That they've seen shadows moving around and stuff like that. It, now are is it true or not? I don't know, but
2: could be true. Could just be, you know, drunks and crackheads. Well that's on. what I was thinking <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> given
3: the area.
0: Well it and I know that, you know, even that happens here too, where drunks and crackheads? Hello? <laughs> right, right. But that happens here too, where like the the mundane turns out, you know, the, the explanations turn out to be mundane and it will kind of sink a lot of people's fascination with with a location or, or with a story, but I think that as time goes by, the story will outlive the truth. Yeah. And so you know, well, while people might say now, oh, you know, that stuff about the house in Westport probably wasn't true. Uh, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, when people are telling the stories, that stuff won't matter anymore. Right. The important part will be that people went there and had these weird experiences, and, and it doesn't matter that they were, you know, debunked.
2: Just like he, stories will still continue out there in his area about Wolf Manor, mm-hmm. okay? Even though it's a parking lot now, basically, the, the stories are still living well beyond the building.
0: Right, Mike. I'm sure people drive by there and say that's where Wolf Manor used to be.
3: I still drive by it sometimes,
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh and and certainly with you know with these stories kind of you know they're, they're gonna outlive us even even us as the the folks who share them and tell them they're gonna live long past we're done telling them and uh and they'll still develop and and they're they're malleable and they're living and they're they're breathing and and that's the way that it's supposed to be it doesn't really matter so much living about
2: telling stories about the dead,
0: hmm. right, it doesn't really matter like what is in the end provable or not what matters is what are people uh willing to believe and what are they willing to to kind of hope and, and share with these stories too
3: right and that's how i've always approached it is here's the story you know i want to share with i mean before i did this site nobody knew half the stories i didn't know half the stories but now i feel like maybe it's adding a bit to the the local culture like you said
0: and and kind of you know create like we don't we don't really tell stories anymore like like we used to as as a species as as mankind we don't sit around the the, the fire and tell these stories anymore the ghost stories is kind of one of the still true storytelling forms. That, uh, that we you know, er, everything else has become Matt h- held up his phone with, you know, the Internet. But the Internet has caused a lot of things to become very self-centered, especially social media, where we're making ourselves the stars of our own stories. And paranormal stories are one of the few things that we can take ourselves out of the story and just allow the story to be on its own without us having to be part of it to share it. You know, we're telling that mm. that folklore that legend and not feeling the need to to make ourselves the star of our own story
2: point, i mean it, point taken
0: yeah i mean it's not in all cases but i think that there's still a, a good amount of them and what i like too about weird fresno mike is that you don't just stick to you know one type of story it's not just ghost stories it's not just cryptids so you have a, a a little bit of a, a hodgepodge of everything
2: UFO hotspot
0: a, a lot of UFO stories on weirdfresno.com.
3: Oh,
2: yeah.
0: Is that,
3: Nothing lately, unfortunately. It's been kind of quiet.
2: A lot of them involve uh, stuff going in and out of the ocean out there.
3: Really? I, I haven't heard anything.
2: Uh, look up Preston Dennett.
3: Okay, I'll do that. Thank you.
2: You're welcome.
0: I mean, do you have uh, – does, does it happen in flaps? Are they isolated sightings that happen now and then? Do they come in waves?
3: The only flap that we have, and it's during the summertime, is on um, Interstate Five towards the western part of Fresno County. People have been seeing these lights there for years, and the, the description I, I, that I heard, I'm like, okay, that sounds like a crop duster. So, but I've seen video of them, and it's completely different. One, it's hard to judge the size, but it, it was definitely triangle shaped, and it had maybe five or six red blinking lights on. Two of the sides. I I had no idea what that was. And well, it, was to, it, it was moving. It was it moving continuously. I thought maybe it was, you know, several objects in formation. It, it didn't look like that.
0: I mean, there is, um, you know, there's a lot, and, and Moniz can probably speak to this better than I can. But there is a long history of there being frequent UFO sightings along the West Coast. Oh, yeah. And I know that we've had some. You know, a lot of experimental aircraft that has been out there, some suspicions that there's stuff that has come from uh, from Asia, across the Pacific Ocean, but there's also uh, quite a few stories that I've heard of, you know, West Coast UFOs that are certainly not like anything that we have. Uh, probably, I would think because, if, if I mean, if I had to take into account as to why They might be more prevalent there. One guess I would have, Moniz, is that it's a place that's a lot more geologically active with earthquakes and and the shifting of the plates out there, that maybe there's something about the energy in that area that would draw these, if they are beings from another planet, maybe there's a reason why they're coming to that area. Well,
2: you have a number of, I mean, the West Coast is dotted with military bases up and down the coast. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a number of power plants based right along the coast. You have a big tectonic um, fault line that's right up and down the coast. Uh, that whole west coast has a, a, a lot of things that would interest people from somewhere
0: else. And there's some nuclear action, too, as well. That, that's what I'm saying. There,
2: yeah. West coast, Yeah. <laughs> where a lot of the uranium was uh, refined for the bomb and stuff like that. They still have stuff out there.
0: So certainly there's a reason for, Mike, for somebody to be watching you from the skies above. Oh,
3: definitely. Well, I I do know that about, I believe, 100 miles or so straight is Area 51. And then Edwards Air Force Base is about two and a half hours south of me. So I'm, I'm thinking a lot of them might be military,
2: because so I know in
3: the 80s, we actually had an F-117 crash, I want to see, near Bakersfield, which is kind of in, in between me and, and, um, and Los Angeles. Yep. And so it, I wouldn't be surprised if half the things that's been seen are just you know, black ops projects.
0: And, you know, we were in talking about the different types of things that, that you deal with there and, and, and having... Uh, a high level of UFO sightings, cryptid sightings, is another thing that happens uh, quite a bit out there. Do you do you have some some uh, you know some cryptid legends that are kind of uh, based uh, in Fresno?
3: Well, we definitely have um, bigfoot sightings. There's dots parking. I'm sorry. As long as it's not we bigfoot barking. we definitely have a lot of bigfoot sightings up in the foothills. I'm um, about an hour from Yosemite. So there's that. Um, we have some chupacabra sightings, but to me they they look like the cases of the dogs with mange. Yeah. But people still say it's a chupacabra. There's the night crawlers that I mentioned, mm-hmm. and um, one I actually just found out this week, and I'm actually in the middle of researching it. Somebody claimed that they saw a, a pterosaur flying over Fresno in 2007. Wow! And so I'm trying to find out about that. We get some thunderbird sightings, but this is the first time I've heard of a pterosaur.
2: There's some old photographs quote unquote that claim to be of uh pterosaurs uh shot out in those areas back in the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds.
3: I've seen that one, yeah.
2: I mean um there's several of them, whether there were any of them are real or there's only one that I know of that could possibly be. But it's you know, they're all suspect in my book.
3: I
0: agreed. i mean but there's you know there's enough of a diversity of wildlife out your way that it's possible that something could stick around and exist for for millions of years you know not obviously one single particular creature but uh that it could still hang around and survive uh but i'm i'm sure you've also gotten some uh, some strange emails over the years of of things that just even seem too crazy for you to believe
3: uh, one of my favorites is um, underneath the Fresno Airport here, which is also the National Guard Air Base, is a nuclear storage facility, and there is a quote-unquote um, high-speed train that goes the speed of sound from here to um, Cheyenne. Really? We're a NORAD store. I've I worked at the airport for a while, and I guess I they didn't show me that part when I was there.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you never know. Maybe there's just parts that they they didn't let you go into, but that would be kind of a hard one for me to swallow. Uh, Yeah,
3: but it was interesting, and I I had a chuckle, but the person was, they were serious. They said that they talked to somebody that worked there and that underneath the airport was an underground military base, which was linked directly with the uh, NORAD facility.
0: I mean, but sometimes it just takes one or two people to, to share a story to kind of give it legs, um, I, I saw one story on on Fresno dot com where it talked about you know you'd gotten emails about an underground society of vampires. Is that uh, yes? That that's something that looks like it didn't really pan out though.
3: It it didn't. I I, I originally got a couple emails like you said, and I was like, okay, this is interesting, and I I put it up there. I wanted to share it, see if like, I can get feedback.
0: Nothing. I almost wonder with stories like that though, like. If there isn't some truth to them, but also, you know, they know that you're on to them. Could be. So they they kind of they kind of hide a little bit better than they normally would. I have to give you credit though, because you know it's easy for us. You know, we're a group. There's not we're not a paranormal group. We're not a, a team or anything. But there's at least a, a group of us. There's you know four of us that do the show, and then we have a, a network of people. So when somebody calls us with some sort of a, a strange claim or, or something that seems like it might be dangerous to go into, like, we, we have safety in numbers. Are you going and checking these things out on your own? Do you let people know where you're going when you're going and exploring a possible underground society?
3: Oh, no, no, no. I, I learn a lot. I do not to go by myself. Right. <laughs> um, I, I have one of my uh, my best friend that I've been ghost hunting with, you know, since we were 17, basically, he goes with me.
0: All right, because, uh, you know, again, safety in numbers, especially when somebody sends you an email and tells you that. Yeah. You know, you never know where you're being led into and, and what, kind of, what kind of trap they could be setting for you.
3: Well, I, I figured I was a sacrifice or something.
0: But, you know, it's, sometimes, though, we say that, you know, we don't want to become the story. We just want to, you know, document the story. But if you got to go, I mean, at least go being part of the story. That's the way I look at it.
3: Well, like I... I, I, I been told this, and I, I said this over the years. I'm more afraid of the living than the dead. I'll, I'll go into a, a supposed haunted house, whatever. It's just when you get the people like the, 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 the supposed vampire society, I was I was a little hesitant. I'm not gonna lie.
0: Well, come on, come on into the underground places. It's fine. You'll be okay. Yeah. No thanks. Uh, what What is probably the the weirdest thing that you've experienced? You know, in, in researching these, what have you encountered, uh, with and seen with your own eyes that uh, you just couldn't believe?
3: Hmm. This actually didn't happen when I was researching, but this is kind of what got me into this whole field. Um, my mom's house was haunted, which I didn't know about when I lived there. And um, one night, I'm going to bed, and I'm walking down the hallway, and I see this, you know, this figure. There was a female figure in a white dress go from my sister's room across the hallway and in, into the bathroom. And we had a Harvard floor, and I heard the, the dress, um, you know, kind of rustling along on the, on the floor. I thought it was my sister sleepwalking. So it's like, turn on the light. Nobody's in there. Like, okay, that's kind of weird. Go in her room, you know, turn the light on. She's fast asleep wearing um, sweats and a T-shirt. And I knew I saw someone, a, a female figure that was wearing a dress. Go to bed next day and talk to my mom about it. Just real nonchalantly, oh, yeah, that's the previous owner's wife. She, she died here. Hmm. And, and it's always been kind of one of my favorite stories because that was the first time I ever saw something.
0: I mean, there are, I mean, you know, we say here that we have uh, old ghosts so that there's a lot of activity that happens here because we've had hundreds of years of, we'll call it, you know, white people history to be able to kind of go back and, and look at and we look at, you know, us being East Coasters, we look at California and we say there isn't quite the same length of history for, you know, quote unquote, white people history to, to have some of these stories. But there is still a, a good amount of history out there and there there is still a good amount of um, tragedy and, and things that have happened that could leave a stain on, on a place.
3: Right. Well, before this was America, it was Mexico. And, you know, I mean, there's missions up and down the, the state. The closest one to me is, I think it's 100 miles, um, uh, San Miguel, and that one's supposed to be haunted.
0: And um, has that kind of, uh, you know, created, you know, here we have the Bridgewater Triangle. Do you have some sort of a, of a vortex in that area that you think might be the reason why you have so much weird phenomena taking place?
3: I've heard people use the term the Fresno Triangle, but it was more as UFOs that were linking uh, the Fresno Airport to Area 51 mm. and then um, Edwards Air Force Base. But, like, the triangle that you guys have, no, we, we don't have anything like that.
0: But, I mean, it seems like you've got the activity for it, just whether or not somebody's actually kind of defined parameters for it. It, it, it seems like there's enough weird stuff going on and, and different types of phenomena that you could say that there is... I mean, it might not be a a, a perfect triangle, but there definitely seems to be some sort of a a thinning of the veil there. Yeah.
3: Well, we're we're in a valley, and maybe... I mean, I used to say we're like a a valley instead of a triangle. There's no really set shape like you said.
0: I don't know. We'll we'll come up with something catchy, and uh, you can market it and do a documentary and make T-shirts and stuff.
3: No, that'd be great to
0: help to help with the research. Has there been a lot of interest uh, in the stories that you share from, you know, some from some of these television shows and, and and authors who are writing books? Have people come to you and said, you know, we really want to start featuring some of these stories?
3: I've had some some interest in the past. Nothing nothing lately. Uh, like I said, that one um, that Nightcrawler video that was, I got contacted by the Sci Fi Channel several times on that one. Um, some Geographic contacted me about a UFO session up here. I want to say that was 2012. And then somebody was doing a documentary about Bigfoot in uh, Yosemite, but uh, that one never panned out.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, uh, you know, when, when producers kind of get their eye on a place, you know, they start to, to come up with all these ideas of how they want to tell the stories. And, and sometimes the stories just don't kind of fit into what they're envisioning. And they're doing a disservice to the stories themselves because they might say, well, that'll be too hard to film, or, you know, we can't really pull that off in the way that we need to with the budget that we have. And, and the stories just don't work that way. You know, the stories have a life of their own, and, and you've kind of got to be willing to bend what it is that you're doing to them. As, as you've shown over the years, you know, chronicling these stories, you know, you have to go where they take you. You can't say, I'm going to do it. This way, you have to kind of just serve the story the best way that you can.
3: Right. And someone, when some were just scheduling conflict, it didn't work out, unfortunately. I,
0: I think, though, that, um, you know, as you've been chronicling these over the years, the, the important part is that uh, it's showing that there's, to some degree, you know, repeatability. The same stories, the same legends might not happen over and over again, but you're having... Similar instances of, of all different types of phenomena, so that's that's going to draw people in that are looking into this stuff. So it's it's only a matter of time before we see the the weird Fresno TV series starring Mike Banty.
3: <laughs> well, I, I do know if you search paranormal in Fresno, my site's the first thing that comes up. Well, there and you that's go. how a lot of these shows find me. Is they'll just do a very random search.
0: Is I mean, with all these weird stories, is there a big paranormal community out there?
3: There used to be. Um... You know, like like most things, it it gets popular for a while, then it kind of dies off. Pardon the pun. Um, things are kind of picking up back again. Um, I actually recently people were asking me to start a Facebook group, which you know, to for own, them to share their own stories, and I did. It's, it's been pretty active. I was surprised actually.
0: I mean, that's that's the best part of of doing what you do is is giving people the dialogue uh, to be able to share these stories and have a place to go with them when they do have a weird experience, somewhere where they can share it, where they think people are going to be willing to believe them. And that's what I think, you know, every area can benefit from something like that, to, to say, here's a place where you can come and say that, and nobody's going to judge you for it.
3: Right. Uh, yeah, I just want to give them a platform where no one's going to judge them, and they can share their stories. Uh,
0: but, but then again, too, there's the same problem that we run into, and that uh, others who uh, document these type of things do is, you know how how much can you believe a person that comes at you? You know how do you take stock in the story? I mean, is have there been stories that you've been tipped off to that you've said, you know, that's just it just doesn't sound like it's anything. It's even worth my time to, to pursue.
3: Well, there was one definitely um, going back to that nightcrawler video. Someone had sent me another video several years later of a different um, incident with the, supposedly the same creatures up in um, up by Yosemite. And I saw the video, and I was kind of hesitant, but, you know, my, my, my BS meter was already going off, but I don't want to be that skeptical. And so I, I looked at the person's YouTube channel. They had just created the YouTube channel. There was nothing else on there. Okay, maybe they, you know, they created this for this. But they said that they were paranormal investigators. And I probably contacted them, nothing. And just even even to this day that that's the only video on their, on their YouTube channel was that one. And it just it comparing that to the original one it it just it looks fake. It looks like things have been superimposed. It's just very bad special effects
0: well, yeah, I mean it is sad that even in this day and age that there's people who, for whatever reason want to fake this stuff, uh, you would think that there's enough out there that people can go out and have their own experiences so they don't have to make something up to to get attention but it still happens, and and it, and it makes it harder because it muddies the waters for the casual person to say, "Well, why should I believe anything if you know that one story uh, turns out not to be true?" Then how do I? How can I be sure that any of this stuff is actually true?
3: Well, and I talked to people. In, oh, I'm sorry, did I cut someone off?
0: No, but just Moniz was breathing oh, heavy. That. He got excited there.
3: People tell me that that one's also real because I think there, some people just have a predetermination on these things, and when you tell them and you actually put the evidence in front of them, but it's the fact, they don't want to believe it, they'll get angry.
0: That is true. I mean, that's, that's the hardest part about it is if you're trying to be the person that's trying to vet the story and, and deciding if you want to believe it or not, and, and something just seems like you don't want to follow down that path... You know you run the risk of of hurting somebody's feelings if they, if they are telling the truth, but it just doesn't seem to to resonate with you if it doesn't seem to be worth your time or or what have you you know you are running the risk of 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 hurting somebody who this could be the most profound thing that ever happened to them so it's it's hard to have that even though we like to have that built in b s meter it's 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 probably going to be wrong sometimes yeah you know i just I try and give everybody their say and then you know maybe uh Maybe I don't call you back, you know, or maybe, maybe everything sounds really exciting at first and then we kind of, uh, you know, lose contact over time. Uh, I let you down easy, like a weird girlfriend. And, uh, one other thing that I noticed too, in, in reading through some of your blogs is, is you've had, you've had clown problems out in that way. Oh God. That kind of predate the clown problems that we were having around here.
3: I I, I think we were the start of it. I don't know what happened. They just, it came out of nowhere. And I know somebody was doing like an art project down in Bakersfield, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that just inspired copycats or what. But it was getting pretty bad for a while. Like the police were notified and the police were alerting people, you know, watch out for these clowns. It just—it was bad.
0: And it's—is it subsided or is it still ongoing?
3: No, it subsided.
2: Uh, I—that I, whole clown thing—I still say it's you know, juggalos on meth. I
0: don't know. <laughs> But I will I will say this I don't think it's coincidental that uh, the show Baskets takes place in Bakersfield and it's about a clown, so
3: maybe I, I didn't even see that show. I'll Have to watch it.
0: Oh, you've never seen it? Oh, it's 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 weird. It's a comedy, but it's not funny. But it's still funny. It's very hard to describe. But it's it's Zach Galifianakis as as, as a clown at a oh, rodeo yes. in Bakersfield.
3: Okay, I I know what you're talking about. But there's there's
0: a juggalo on the show too. So hmm. he works at Arby's juggalo appropriate yeah he runs the arby's now <laughs> uh so sorry go ahead
3: i was say actually i think the prerequisite to work at arby's is you have to be a juggalo
0: It's it's on the application they you have in order to get hired at arby's you have to know at least four joker's cards for for the the cards to be able to moni's looking at me like i have no idea what you're talking about He's a, from the Juggalos. From the I, oh, I, oh, he does I, I know. know. Yeah. Oh, that's now I'm even more creeped out. I liked it better when well, I, I thought actually I was over like your head.
2: insane clown posse.
0: They're not bad.
2: The great Malenko.
0: Well, uh, well, we can debate that off the air for sure. <laughs> uh, so, so Mike, if people want to share stories with you with weird Fresno, how's what's the best way to reach out to you?
3: Um, best way to go to my site. Um, I have a number on there. Um, I can I give it out.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
3: Okay, it's, uh, area code five five nine, and it's four eight one one zero five seven. Or you just email me at uh, weirdfresno at gmail dot com.
0: And uh, what I like about the site too is it's an easy layout to to go through and to try to find all the different stories. If you're somebody that's thinking about going out to the Fresno area to to spend some time, maybe maybe take a vacation or or whatnot, it, you can actually build yourself a, a nice you know, weird Fresno vacation based around the site and, and seeing some of these places that, that Mike writes about there. So, but just don't go into any uh, underground places on your own and, and don't go into RBs unless you f- speak Juggalo. <laughs> those, those are the requirements. All right, well, Mike, thanks for joining us uh, and, uh, and for sharing some of the, the stories that you've collected over the years.
3: Oh no, Tim! Thank you for having me. I appreciate
0: it. Oh, it's it's always great to, uh, you know, be able to find out about places that we've never been to. But if we ever get out there, you'll be the first person that we look up. Well,
3: one of these days, I am definitely going to visit the Triangle. That that's on my um, top five list of paranormal places to
0: well, go. Definitely, let us know if you do. I will do that. We will take you to all the best places that aren't Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> take care. Do we even have do an Arby? We don't. We one. do. We don't have an Arby, so you don't have to worry at all. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. You have a great night, Mike. Thanks again.
3: You too. Thank you.
0: And uh, that is Michael Banty. You can check out his site, weirdfresno.com, if you want to find out more about Weird Fresno. It sounds like a very weird place.
2: I've been through it. I've, I've uh, never had.
0: I've been to California once. It was just to L.A. for a couple of days. So if I ever get out there, I will want to spend some time in Fresno. I want to check out some of these spots that he writes about there. There's, it seems like there's a lot of great folklore there, urban legend there yep. that goes. Uh, so, like I said, it doesn't matter if it's true. I just want to go there and kind of experience it for myself and, and see what, what happens. So weirdfresno.com is the site if you want to find out more for yourself. All right. We are just about out of time for this week's show. We'll be back next week. As we said earlier, we'll be joined by Tom Reed. He's going to talk with us about his UFO experience and, and about the UFO monument. Uh, that is being moved. You'll see stories. We'll share those stories out as they as they hit the news wires uh, this week. We'll share them out on the Spooky South Coast social media. If you want to get in touch with us, Spooky Crew at spookysouthcoast.com. If you have any uh, stories or or guest ideas that you want to share with us, you can do it that way. Spooky Crew at spookysouthcoast.com is our email. Follow us on Twitter at spookysc. Subscribe and and uh, follow all of our videos on YouTube. Like us on Facebook. So many different ways to. Reach out to us and get in touch with us. And, of course, thank you to everybody on the Dark Matter Digital Network that listens to the show as it's replayed there as well. If you're listening to the show live now, go over to Midnight in the Desert because Keith is going to be having an Art Bell bumper music dance party. So until next week, for Matt, from Matt, for Stephanie, I'm Tim. Stay spooktacular.